Welcome back to another episode of the Otter God Pod, where we talk about sobriety, spirituality, and everything in between. This is Eric, your host. We are coming at you this week with a very special episode for me. This guy sitting to my left, my right, if you're uh, watching on YouTube, is a uh, he's a close friend of mine from high school man we had grown up together um you know pretty sure we've run and gunned with each other a couple of times and we lost contact over the years and when i saw him in the rooms out here in the valley i said holy shit <laughs> i said that's gabe yes sir and um I said, I, I got to get him on the podcast, man, and, and got to hear what you've been up to. I don't know a whole lot about your story. I, actually, I don't think I know pretty much any of it. It's, um, it's been so long since we've actually like sat down and like connected like this. So yeah. uh, I'm just super excited to have this opportunity to, um, one, learn a little bit more about your story, and two, have you on the pod, man. So let me stop rambling, guys. I'm going to let Gabe introduce himself. What's up, guys? My name is Gabe. I am a recovering addict. Um, yeah, man, it's been a long time. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, since we lost contact, I have been through pretty much just about everything. You know, I was, when you knew me, I was into drugs. I was taking pills and doing all that crazy shit. And then, you know, through the years it just progressed like addiction does you know i ended up becoming homeless for a few years uh you know fentanyl is a killer takes out everyone in matter of days so i just i went through all of that you know in and out of the rooms for about 15 years now you know and it's just it's been a wild wild ride you know like through the years like i have two kids now dude like i have a five-year-old and a four-year-old that i get to hang out with all the time you know and i didn't get to have that when i was out and using because you know like i left like i didn't want my kids to see me getting fucked yeah. up and yeah. being a fuck up and like avoided responsibility like it was a plague yeah that's, yeah that's what we do exactly and it was one of those things where it was like I can go get high and my kids will have a better life without me there mm. or I can choose to take responsibility get sober and you know struggle and I chose the the easy way out like the most, easier softer way man yeah like most addicts do and it's one of those things where it's like you know I regret a lot of it but at the same time like where I'm at now in my recovery where I'm at with my you know with my steps and doing what I need to do. It's one of those things where my kids get to see a whole different side of me. My family gets to see a whole different side of me. And I get to be there for people that actually need me there in their lives. Like right now I'm dealing with situation with my kid's mother and you know, like she's disappeared. We don't know where she's at. So it's like, like right now my sister has my kids and you know, they're safe, they're healthy, they're getting the help they need. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's the cycles just flip from one parent to another and you know with me being where i'm at in my recovery i can't have full responsibility of my kids at the time because like i have some time under my belt but i'm still very much healing and very much learning how to be a person right a and what is your sobriety date so right now like <clears throat> i relapsed about six months ago but my sobriety date is August 9th, 2022. So I did relapse. I did go through a little bit of a tough spot. You know, right around the time my kid's mom disappeared is when I went off the deep end again. So I learned, you know, I just had to get back on the horse. My relapse was very quick, two day relapse. And then I was right back into a detox, getting myself clean again. And it was something that I had to do in order for me to be back and you know usually when i go when i relapse i go out on a run oh, i yeah. go for a very long time and i just disappear but i had to i realized right then and there is like look my kids need a parent in their life if one parent can't do it the other one has to and i have to be that parent right now 
Right. Well, that's that's good to hear, man. And we're excited that you found your way back. Why don't we just get rolling into you? Tell us a little bit about what it was like. Right. Um, I always like hearing what life was like before you got into recovery and then hearing what it's like now. Right. What it was like, what happened, what it's like now. (laughs) So just tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, like I, like I said, I've been using since I was about like 12, 13 years old, but I'm going to focus on like the last eight or nine months of my big run that I had back in 2022. And because that's what really kicked off my real true, like, I need to fix my life journey. And, you know, I was living in Maryville. Well, I shouldn't say living. I was homeless in Maryville. Nothing good coming out of there. <laughs> Not a single thing coming good out of Maryville. So I was down there in Maryville. I was living underneath the bridge. And, you know, I was getting into a lot of trouble. I was stealing cars to make money. I was breaking in the houses and I was selling dope. And with all of that comes repercussions. So I'm still dealing with those repercussions today, but God showed up in my life so many times that it's just hard to even like pinpoint what really saved me. But what I can get down to is I was in the matter of the last week of my big run, I had, I was trying to steal somebody's car and the person came out of their house and had stabbed me in the head and in the shoulder and I somehow survived that should not have survived that but I did I had walked back to where I was camped out at I had a friend of mine stitch me up with dental floss and a sewing needle in my head and then we just put some new skin like the the liquid skin on my shoulder wound and we just let that one be and then and this was just underneath a bridge. This was underneath the bridge. You sewed up your head with a sewing needle and dental floss, and then you just liquid bandaged up your shoulder. 100%. If that's not some fucking crackhead shit, I don't <laughs> Dude, know what right? is, bro. <laughs> right? So, so that happens, right? And I'm just, and that's like that's what kicks off. Like, man, shit's got to change. Like, I don't know what's got to change, but something's got to fucking. Yeah, change. If, if you're doing that, you might have a problem. A hundred percent, right? <laughs> if you're not thoroughly convinced <laughs> at that point, I don't know what else it's exactly. gonna take. Exactly. And the crazy part was, is like that same day, I still went and got high. Like, oh, of you course. Know, I'm like, I'm in pain. Why not go? Well, you had pain? a good enough excuse to now. You're like, dude, I just got stabbed in the head. Like, exactly. I'm obviously, I'm going to go get high. And now it was like, cool, whatever. Like, I'm going to move on from that. Like, that happened. That was this morning. This afternoon's a new day. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the same day, man. So I'm moving forward throughout my day, and I'm just keeping going. And I meet up with a really good buddy of mine. Well, I really shouldn't say really good because he f- enabled the shit out of me. But... In my addiction, he was a great friend to have. Right. <laughs> but um, I was, you know, I was just, we were sitting out front of a Home Depot, plotting on how to make more money, and we're getting high and doing our thing, and, you know, I get up to go get soda from the gas station. I was like, hey, I got a few dollars. Do you want something to drink? He's like, sure. So we're sitting behind a bush, right, smoking, doing our thing, like good crackheads, and... <laughs> I go up, I go to the gas station, I come get a, I get a soda for him and me, and I come back, and we continue to do our thing, and then within a matter of five minutes, he is shot and killed right in front of me. Wow. So, you know, like, right then and there, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to escape this. Like, I don't have the willpower to just get up and leave and go check myself into de- detox. Like, I don't have that willpower. So... I sit there, I talk to the cops, I talk to the paramedics, like he gets taken away and all of that happens. And I'm walking down the street and this white Tahoe just like, I'm walking in front of a gas station, this white Tahoe just cuts in front of me. And my first instinct is like, oh shit, it's the cops. Like I need to run. And this dude I've never met in my life before hops out of the car. He's like, Gabe. I'm like, no. He's like, 
yes i'm like no, i don't know I, I don't know him <laughs> yeah i'm like i don't know who this dude is i don't know how he knows my real name like like because when i was homeless i went by anthony like yeah. i went by my middle name no one knew my real name so i'm like cool i'm like this guy knows me and i don't know where the hell i know him from and i'm like starting to walk away and then all of a sudden i hear another voice yell gabe and it's i turn around and it's my fucking sister mm. who i haven't seen for three years hey what are you doing like where are like what's wrong like you're covered in blood you're fucking homeless in the middle of maryville like you look like complete shit like do you want to go to detox and right then and there i was like yeah that's my way out fuck yeah let's go mm. i get in the car right both my kids are in the car with my sister that day she was on her way back up north because she lives up in baghdad and my daughter's in the car and my son's in the car my son recognizes me because he's seen me with long hair. He's seen me skinny. He knows who I am. My daughter had no fucking clue who I was. Mm -hmm. I went to go give her a hug, and she just looked at me. And she's like, get the fuck away from me. Like, yeah. I don't know you. Stay the hell away from me. And she's throwing a fish. She's crying. And I'm sitting in the front seat of this Tahoe, like, in a matter of 24 hours, like, my life has completely changed. Like, yeah. my mindset's changed. Like, so... We're driving up to Baghdad. It's a three-hour car ride. I smell horrible, by the way, because I've been homeless this whole time. Yeah. I don't know how my family put up with that, but they put up with it. First thing they tell me to do when I get to their house, though, is go take a shower. I go and I take a shower. I'm sitting in the front room just, like, contemplating life. Like, like it's either I take this seriously or I do what I'm known for and run away. And I decided to take it seriously. So I went to a nice little rehab called Unhooked Recovery. Oh, yeah. Love it place. You know, I got nothing but love for them. Out there in Mesa? Yeah. Yeah. I'll power you up. What pod were you in? <clears throat> Palo Verde, dude. Oh, there you go. Shout yeah. out PV. Yeah, that's that's the that's home right there, man. I still go do H&Is over there all the time. Got good buddies that, you know, I've helped check into there. You know, I got I got buddies that I was homeless with that ended up coming in there the same time I did. It was, it was like a family reunion in there, man. Yeah. Like, and it was funny because my first night in there, I'm going through the whole withdrawal stage, you know, detox and just taking it like a Just champ. sick. Yeah, just, just so sick. I didn't get out of bed for three days. Yeah. Like, I stayed in bed for three days just sick as hell. And I think I only got up to eat and shower, and that was it. And they moved me into Palo, right? And I'm sitting there. And they room me with someone. I'm like, I know this dude from somewhere. I'm like, I can't pinpoint where the hell I fucking know this dude from. But we sit there, we're talking, and next thing you know, this guy comes up to me and he goes, "Hey, uh, you, you lived in Maryville, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, dude." He's like, "Do you ever hang off of like 51st Avenue McDowell?" I'm like, "Yeah, all the time." He goes. He goes, yeah, dude, you slept. Night you spent the night in my car one night. He's like, we got high together. You spent the night in my car. And it's just another one of those things where God puts me in a place where it's like, yeah. I'm right with someone I used to get high with. And like, we were actually like, we were pretty cool. You know, like he was always, cause he'd been in the rooms before I'd been in the rooms before. So we like, every time I hung out with them, we were both like, dude, this is shitty. We need to go back to the rooms. We need to go back to detox, go get our life figured out again. And he's just like, hey, you know, we're here now. Everything we said we needed to do, it's happening right in front of our eyes. Right. He's like, we went from sleeping in my broken down Nissan to sleeping in a room together without even planning it. Yeah. I was like, God doing for you what you couldn't exactly, do for yourself. Dude. You know, God is it odd or is it God? Exactly. And like, my thing was, is I was like, man, there's no way that like, cause like I had a really hard time grasping the concept of God when I first got in the rooms, like most people do, you know, like I hear it all the time and shares like, I didn't, I didn't love God or I didn't know God or fuck God or whatever, you know? And it was like, and like I had an idea of God growing up because my mom used to always preach it in my head like you need Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like, every time I did something completely off the wall, she'd be like, You need Jesus. And I'm like, Yeah, probably, but it's not gonna change my ways now. And 
you know, it's one of those things where I'm sitting there with someone that I used to get high with and we're both doing the deal. So I end up leaving unhooked and I go to an IOP program called Northside Recovery. And that place was home. Mm. Like that place was, they put you up kind of like plugged in does. They put you up in nice houses, take you to IOP programs, do all those good things, right? Feed you, all that good stuff. So it's like, I'm sitting in these nice, like quarter million dollar home, like just looking around like, man, like I'm actually safe. I don't have to like wake up four hours a night to make sure no one's fucking with me. I have food that I can eat whenever the hell I want. Like there's no time restriction or anything like that. (laughs) Like, I can play video games with friends. Like, I can do all this. So, like, I stayed there for about nine months. Like, and, you know, their their program's changed a little bit now. It's a four-month program now. But I stayed there for nine months, getting my life completely on track, you know. I got my kids back into my life full-time around 30 days into my actual journey, which was a miracle because... 30 days prior to that, she was talking about completely just having me get rid of all my parental rights mm-hmm. and doing, getting just com- me completely getting out of the picture. Yeah. And like, I got my kids back. I got a car. I got a good paying job. Like, I got all these things. But the worst part about it was I was still struggling. Oh, yeah. Like, dude, that's the biggest like pitfall of recovery. And I like, so, like, my shit, when I, when I went to the River Source in 2020, like, I got dropped out there by my dad, and I was just, like, I literally, it was, like, that was the end of the road. It was just, like, I don't know what I'm going to do past this. It's, yep. like, I, I just remember there was one time I woke up, and I was, like, oh, fuck, like, I'm actually in rehab. Like, like this is really happening. Like, I'm sitting in rehab right now, like, smoking a cigarette, just looking around, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I was, like, I actually am. And, um... Dude, it's wild. It's a wild place to be. And you think <clears throat> that, okay, like, I've got, like, 60 days, 90 days. Like, I'm in sober living. Like, I'm doing good, right? Like, everything's going to be fine. And then it's not. Like, shit just keeps happening. And, like, I remember, like, I had to go to jail, like, oh, with over a year of sobriety for yeah. some shit I did way back in the day that yeah. caught up to me. And, like, and there was, like, still shit happening. And you're like, why is bad stuff happening? I'm sober now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those things, like... Like, if I fuck up on my probation, I'm going to jail for 17 years. Yeah. Like, I'm going straight to prison. Like, I'm going to Alhambra, and then they're sending me off to whatever fucking prison they're sending me to. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, that could still happen, even though I'm sober today. I could still, the judge could have a bad day, decide, fuck this kid. He's going straight to prison. Like, it could happen at any given day, and that's something that I have to live with every day and accept every single day. Because I can't control that situation. I can do everything right. And it's completely up to that judge and that lawyer. Yeah, man. That's so wild to like think about because it's like, I, I remember too, like, I remember getting out of rehab and I was doing IOP. I did PHP and then IOP. Yep. And like, I'm thinking to myself like, yo, I'm doing so good. Everyone around me at the house, they're all like, dude, you're doing great, blah, blah. And I just remember like, I went home to see my family and they were like, still pissed at me. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, just like, dude. I was like, don't you understand I'm sober now? It's like, bro, like they don't give a shit. It's care. like, bro. <laughs> they heard every excuse in the book. Yeah. They heard everything like, oh, you know, like they, they like, my mom kicked me out of the house so many times that like, I was, I was never home. And it wasn't because it was my choice. It was because like my mom just did not want me there. Yeah. My dad, like, however, like my dad's a my dad's a fucking rider, dude. This dude picked me up from the Greyhound station. Or no, sorry, he picked me up from the hospital when I was going into rehab. And he took me straight into like took me to unhooked and he just looked at me, he's like, Hey man, he's like, I know what you're going through. He's like, because my dad, my dad struggled with alcohol like his whole life, you know, like he's doing better now. But he was like, hey, I know what you're going through. I know the charges you're facing. I know everything. He's like, he's like, just do the right thing and it will come back full circle. Yeah. And, you know, this man, 
he doesn't make a whole lot of money, but he makes pretty good money, right? But this man would send me cigarettes every week, send me new clothes, like bro, all- the same same thing. Like, dude, my dad went out to Denver to pick me up from jail and take me all the way back oh, to rehab, dude. Just straight up, like I was like, I don't even know where I'd be if my dad just because he just did not give up on me, dude. Everyone else did. Yeah, dude, and like, like my parents, like. God bless my parents, bro, because, like, they're not together, but, like, they tried really hard with me, at least. Like, my sister was, I used to say my sister was worse than me because she got in a lot of trouble that she got caught for. I was just sneakier. Like, I never got caught for the shit I did until I got caught for the shit I did. (laughs) But, like, my parents, they never gave up on me. They they sat there and they, they listened to all my lies. Listen, all my bullshit. All of like the made up fantasies in your head as to why it's like everything. I'm a victim. Like you don't understand. Like you don't know what I'm going through. But it's like, no, you're doing that to yourself, bro. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And like they didn't call me out on it either. Like they let me live in my delusion for a little bit. And so it was like, I'm clear headed. And then they're like, you're a fucking liar. You manipulate, you lie and you steal. That's those are your three things that you love to do on top of getting high. Mm. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're not wrong. Like, my sponsor said the same shit. So it's like... And it's, like, crazy, too, because what you're touching on as well is, like, just because you're sober doesn't even make you a better person. It's like you still got all of these character defects. Like, you're still, like, just this conniving, manipulating, like, little snaky person. You're just not doing drugs, but you're still the same way. It's like, bro, if you're not, like, doing your steps and, like, and working on yourself and, like, trying to, like, get involved in your own recovery, like, it doesn't make you a good person just being sober. Exactly, and, like, I've met tons of people in the rooms that are like, man, I don't ever want to talk to you again. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like I thought you were a pretty decent person until you opened your mouth. And I'm like, holy shit, you are fucked up. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and it's like, that's part of the, like, what we were talking about before we set this whole thing up. Acceptance, right? Like, Dude, yeah, bro. <laughs> like, seriously, dude, guys. So everybody who's, like, a loyal subscribers know, dude, I never show up to these things prepared. <laughs> I showed up today no charging cable and no batteries this week absolutely nothing dude i I, like go to the circle k pick up a fucking charging cord just so we can (laughs) shoot this episode but it's just maybe one day we'll show up prepared but today was not that day (laughs) maybe one day right like (laughs) 417 acceptance is the answer to all my problems exactly there are no mistakes on god's green earth (laughs) you know i love that page too because like when I was first getting like when I was first getting sober, my sponsor looked at me. He's like, "Hey man, are you willing to do anything and everything to stay sober?" And my direct answer to him was like, "Hell no, dude, I'm not." And he was like, "He was like, are you willing to try?" And I was like, "I mean, I'll try for sure. I can at least try. It's the least I can do." And he goes, "All right, I'll work with you." And then like he's like, "But I want you to read something." And he's like, "I want you to read page 417 in your big book." And I read that, and I'm like, "This mother." Dude, like, like he's having me read about acceptance, and I'm having to accept that I'm a fucking piece of shit. Like, yeah, and you know, like, in your addiction, it's hard to see that you're the problem. Like, whether no matter what substance you have an issue with, it's hard to see that you're the fucking problem. It's not that substance; it's you. You're you're numbing yourself, and it's one of those things that's like, once you get a little clear headed, and you start to realize like all these problems that you caused. And you start looking back on, like, what the fucking cause of that problem was. It all leads back to you. Bro, and that's the thing that, like, I, like, always try to explain to people because everybody always has this idea. And I was the same way where they're like, yo, I don't want to go to AA and A and stuff. It's like, I, like, all all it is is, like, a cold. And they try to, like, tell you how to stay sober and whatever. But it's like, bro, and then you read the book. Like, you actually just, like, read it. And you're like, no, what they're really telling you is is that, like, drugs and alcohol were just the solution because you yourself are the problem it's like it's like internally like if i'm like not doing what i need to do like i am just such an extremely selfish person that i will only do things if i get something in return or i'll only look at things based off of how it affects me like i don't care about anything else but me yeah, and then it's like that's the problem and because i'm like that and because i have no control over what everyone else does i get so caught up in shit that i just drink and i use because i can't deal with it exactly and it and that was like a part of the reason like like my thing was is like once i had drugs like 
I suddenly became friends with everybody, you know, like, like, oh, you need cocaine? Gabe's got it. Mm. Oh, you need pills? Gabe's got it. Oh, you need weed? Gabe's got it. It's like, I suddenly became that guy that like everybody turned to in those, like in that little circle I was running to. And it was like, cool, I have friends now. And it's like, at the end, those motherfuckers aren't my friends. Yeah. I talked to one of those people to this day, like in that little circle of people I ran through, like I ran with, I talked to one of them. And even then, me and him aren't on the best terms. And it's because, you know, like, like for a long time, I blamed that person for my drug problem. Yeah. And in reality, like, I can't blame anyone but myself because I said yes. Yeah. And that's literally the mind of, like, the alcoholic or, like, the addict is, like, it tells us. <laughs> like, my favorite thing is, like, it's, like, we drink or use essentially because we like the effect produced, right? Yeah. But that effect is so great that it becomes like every addict's and alcoholic's great obsession that somehow, some way, I'm just going to be able to do this normally. Yeah. It's like I, I'm just going to be able to use drugs or I'm just going to be able to drink normally and I'll chase that delusion in my head until like I'm fucking broke or I'm back in jail yeah. or I have a third DUI or I've got like – and it's just like I will never stop chasing that idea in my head that somehow, some way, I'm just going to be able to drink without consequences. Yeah. And, you know, like, and, and power to the people that can actually, like, drink on the weekends and, like, have a normal fucking week on the weekdays. Does it happen? Yeah. It's like, I just, like, I don't get it. Because, like, if I go use today, I'm fucking going on a sick-ass run for, like, the next three weeks. Yeah. As soon as I put anything in my body, I will not stop until, like, there's zero. If I have $1 in my pocket, that 99 banana shooter is going down the hatch, yep. dude. Like, it's like you have to take away every last cent out of – the, even then, I'm going to convince somebody to give me something exactly and like, like and that's the best that's the funny thing about it like i work in sales right yeah. so like they say that sales is like the best job for an addict because we could talk and we can manipulate because you're just not gonna stop till you get what you want and that's what every alcoholic and addict does yeah and it's like i can convince these guys that tell me no 45 times to say yes to at least one of my products that i'm selling and it's one of those things where it's like like my boss strictly hired me out of the room because one i have a really great friend that helped me get into circulation with this guy but he also he knew that like okay if you've already worked in sales before and you can do these things you can sell anything because you're also you also have a problem you you're in these rooms because you have a problem yeah. and part of that problem is you're a manipulator mm-hmm and that was exactly what he told me. And I was like, yeah. I was like, you're not wrong. Like, I can manipulate people to say yes to me. And, you know, like, that's one of my biggest character defects is saying, like, getting, saying anything to anybody that's going to make them feel like I'm doing okay. Right. When in reality, I'm fucking up here is just completely fucked off. Yeah, dude. That's just, it's so wild to, to think about because it's like, I always tell people, it's like, bro, getting sober is not going to like solve anything. No. It's just like, it's like, what do you, what happens? So it's like, okay, like you smoke a lot of fentanyl, right? Yeah. Seven days later, it's completely out of your system. You're never going to get more sober than that. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? It's just like, so what do you do after that? What are you going to do for the other fucking countless amounts of days of your life? Like just not smoke fentanyl? Yeah. Just not drink like that's like what is that going to solve absolutely nothing it's like drugs and alcohol aren't your problem they never were no and you that, know and that and when i meet these guys that like have like 10 20 days under their belt and they're like yeah man i'm sober like like i don't have any more problems it's like no dude like you, you, it's you, like you are problems, the problem bro. the fact <laughs> that you think that is literally the mind of the alcoholic convincing you that you don't have a problem dude exactly. it's like that's the peculiar mental twist those are the mental blank spots that they describe it's like your brain won't be able with sufficient force to recollect any of the tr past things that you have ever done and yeah. when you're in that moment right that every addict and alcoholic knows where you don't want to use you just don't want to drink you don't want to do any of it and you still end up high you will still drink because your brain cannot think about anything other than you can do this without consequence and then as soon as you do you'll be sitting there once again if you survive that relapse yep. you'll be sitting there once again thinking how the fuck did i get here i didn't want to do this 
it doesn't matter what you want to do. You're powerless. It's like you're an addict. You're an alcoholic. You don't have control. You will use and drink again. If you're an alcoholic or an addict, you will. And the only thing you can do is delay that by 24 hours every single day you wake up, and that's it. If you go to sleep sober, you have a better chance of waking up sober. Yeah. And, you know, like, that's something that, like, I've had to live by. And then someone told me really early on, like, way back in the day when I first started going to the rooms, like, if you have a foot in tomorrow and a foot in yesterday, you're going to piss all over today. Yeah. And, and, like, I didn't understand that at first. Until, like, I sat down and thought about it. It's like, okay, so I can't think about tomorrow. Yesterday already happened. Today's currently happening. I need to focus on what's currently happening. Right. It's like all I really have is the next 24 hours to do the next right thing. Exactly. But there's just no guarantee, right? And it's like, that's what I always say to people. They're like, oh, I'm never going to use again. I got this. It's like, bro, you are an addict. You will use again. It's like there will be a day where you are going to go use again. You're going to go get high again. You're going to go drink again. But what you can do is just not drink or use today. Yeah. Like, and that's it. And it's like, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's just however much time you have, it's just a string of singular days that you manage to not drink or use. Exactly. And there's just things that you can do. Get out of yourself, be of service, like, you know, form a relationship with a God of your own understanding, right? Try to live on a more spiritual basis. Like those are things that you can do that will give you a higher percentage chance of not using that day. Exactly. But it's like, bro, once you cross that point, it's like uh, when a cucumber turns into a pickle, yeah. it can never go back to a cucumber again. Once you're an addict, once you're an alcoholic, once you cross that line, you will never, ever, ever have control over whether or whether or not you're going to drink again. Yeah. And that and that's one of the things I tell like my sponsees. I'm like, hey, don't ever say you're not going to use again because you can, that's the one thing in this life you can't guarantee anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you can if you can stay sober today, you have a better chance of staying sober tomorrow, which is great. But you can't say you'll never use again because you may wake up tomorrow and have the most biggest cravings in the world to just want to go get drunk go get loaded and just go fuck everything off burn everything to the ground yeah it, or you'll do so good for such a like an ex- you'll get seven eight months or maybe you get a year or for me i had a, i had over two years and then one day just almost like it was just such like a natural thing like i didn't even think about it i'm drinking again yeah and it's just like that's how quick it happens real quick that's the mind of an alcoholic it's like you just you really don't know and it describes that it's like that's the vicious cycle and then you emerge remorseful then you honestly you're like i i genuinely don't want to do this anymore everything in me doesn't want to do this and i still do it exactly and you know like when people say like they put you could put your finger up to a polygraph test and like you could put me all the bars up and i could genuinely mean i don't want to do it it doesn't mean that i'm still not going to go do it because I am an like I I am an alcoholic and I'm an addict. And at the end of the day, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get out of my own head. Now, the beautiful part about recovery is there are so many more steps I can take before going to get high or loaded. I can do like like last night I went bowling with my friends that like I go to meetings with I go to six meetings a week mm-hmm. not because like I feel like I need to but because that's one way I can stay out of my head for six hours a week right and if I keep doing that I'm gonna continue to stay out of my own head for six hours a week and even then on top of that I go bowling I go out to eat I hang out I surround myself by a solid group of people that want nothing from me other than just to see me fucking sober yeah no ulterior <clears throat> motives it's like <clears throat> that's the craziest thing about like 12-step programs in general it's like people will go to so far to help you out and there is no expectation of anything in return they don't want any money from you they don't yeah. want any they are just going to do it one because they want to help you but two they know that that gets them out of themselves right exactly and it's like if you're an alcoholic if you're an addict what's your problem your problem is yourself you're yeah. you're a slave to yourself you're a slave to your own selfishness and self-centeredness yep. so how do you get out of that 
you help somebody else out yeah you, you, you know and that's the whole premise of everything and that's and that's the beautiful part about it too is because like like i have so many people in my corner that like once i go out and i get high and i do what i gotta do like i forget that i have all of these people in my corner and i forget that like all of these people don't want anything from me other than just to be healthy and just live my life right be a good dad and be a part of you know this program like like i have three home groups right like i got an na home group i have an a i have a ca home group actually and then i have an a home group you know like and i don't tell people i'm an alcoholic because drinking wasn't necessarily my vice does that mean i got drunk hell yeah i, I got fucking loaded so many times but like what i found myself addicted to was drugs you know and i try to spread myself out in this buffet of recovery because it is a buffet and we live in one of the meccas for recovery. literally phoenix it's like if you want to get sober move to phoenix arizona 100%. it's like you can't i could throw a rock and probably hit an addict or an alcoholic out here a hundred percent and it, it's the craziest part about it is i went to the doctors the other day right and you know i was just getting a checkup and like because i have knee problems so i was like my knee's fucking with me so i went to the doctors wanted to make sure everything was good and the doctor was like yeah you're fine you know you're just you're just wearing it too much and then he saw my little na chain yeah. and he was like he's like oh he's like are you a friend of, uh he's like are you a friend of bills too i'm like yeah i am i was like wait how, how the fuck do you know that i was like yeah. I was like, only someone in recovery knows that term, you know what I mean? And he was like, he's like, oh, I got like 20 years sober myself. And I'm like, see, it's like people that you would never expect to be sober yeah. are fucking sober. And it's, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> Dude, it looks like it's crazy too because it's like not just here. There's just like there's a whole movement going on where it's like you see so many people that are like, dude, there's just <clears> – <throat> even if you're not an alcoholic or an addict like there are still people who are just like able to accomplish more do more being sober yeah it's just like you know what i mean it's just like for like people like us it's like it's a requirement that's like i have to do things on a daily basis to like just like give myself uh, the biggest fighting chance to like you know make it another day sober but there's like people out there who maybe as like the book describes you know they're just hard users they're just hard drinkers they'll go on like benders but it's like if they face reasonable consequences they'll stop yep and they'll have the ability to the hard partier <clears throat> right but it's like at the same time people are starting to like look at that and be like yo like there's a lot to gain from just not wasting a lot of time yep and really what it is is you waste time a hundred percent and like i have a buddy of mine whose wife he my buddy's in their program you know he's got like fifth like 15 years clean or something like that his wife barely drinks barely drinks right she'll have like a glass of wine like a week but she's like the way you guys live is just so peaceful like there's just something about the way you guys hold yourselves that like i want so she started going to Al-Anon meetings. She started, like, yeah. just getting herself into the book just because she wanted to see what the fuck we're doing. Well, you would be surprised. And, like, that's what I try explaining to people, too. And, like, I, I had a guy on the podcast who actually wrote a book about how it's, like, you can just take the 12 steps of recovery and, like, use that framework to really do any sort of work on yourself like trauma work yep. uh any anything that you're going through in your life like you can break it down to like the simple things of okay i'm powerless over this i don't have control over this mm -hmm. and my life is unmanageable yeah. okay two i there has to be something greater than myself out there like i know for a fact that eric para isn't the apex of consciousness in the world like <laughs> right. i'm not like i'm not the end all like there's something bigger than myself going on okay yeah. i can i can understand that three made a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of that god of my own understanding yeah. right okay now that i know i'm not the the top of the food chain i can like rely on something bigger than myself to like get me through things right yeah and then you just go down then you list off all of the resentments and the thing about resentments is it's the real definition is just anything that you still hold on to emotionally yep. <clears throat> so it's just like it could be regrets it could be grief it could be whatever it is anger frustration whatever it is 
I need to actually take a look and write it down and get honest with myself, right? Yeah. And then I share that with somebody else who's a little further along in their journey than me, and they give me some insights based off their own experience. Okay, there's five. Yeah. And then six and seven's like, okay, now that I did that, they brought to my attention that there's a lot of things that are wrong with me, right? Yeah. Like I'm selfish, I have, uh, you know, I have a big ego, I don't yeah. like to be wrong, all these things, right? Well, now that I know that, let me just ask this power greater than myself to remove those from me. Yeah. Right. And then it's like, okay, now, now I'm going to go out and I have a list of people that I fucked over or, you know, whatever. I owe a bunch of people money, whatever it is. Okay. Well, I'm going to write that down and then I'm going to have a plan of how I'm going to go make things right with each one of these people exactly and it's like you could do that with anything it's just like you it's like you don't even have to be an alcoholic or an addict to do that <laughs> no and and that's the that's like that's why i love recovery so much because like you can like uh you, you know what russell brand is right yeah like, obviously yeah that dude the have you ever read his book yeah on recovery he's like step one you're fucked yeah. <laughs> step two and you gotta unfuck yourself exactly and the way that he the way that he breaks it down is like holy shit like you can apply that aspect of everything to any yeah, anything it's you like, have a problem with it's like if you're looking at your life and you think that you're <clears throat> in control then you probably need to do the 12 steps a hundred percent and that's one of the things that like like when i went when i relapsed this last time like i thought i was in control you know like i, I did the common the, the common three step i stopped calling my sponsors stopped going to meetings and i just stopped hanging around people that i hung yeah, around with. there's something wrong here yep. i stopped doing the main three that everyone that you'll, you'll hear a lot of people say like oh i just these are what i did and this is why i went back out I stopped doing all of that. I focused on, I focused too much on the life that AA gave me instead of the life that, or instead of the, my AA life, you know? Right. And if I, if I would have kept that going, I, if I would have kept that going like 15 years ago, I'd have some time under my belt right now, right. but I didn't. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's one of those things where I learned to accept that. I learned to move forward and I learned to, keep myself accountable for okay i need to go to these meetings i need to pay my rent i need to pay my bills yeah. like i need to do all of this and i need like, to be like an actual functioning member of society like that's the end goal dude yeah and like one thing too is like in the book describes it where it's just like I always thought like, okay, I'm sober, like I'm gonna have to like change everything about my life and like I'm never gonna be able to do things that I used to like doing. And it's like not the case at all, dude. And like like to this day, like I have so many friends that are like not in the program, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can go to Vegas on the weekend and like go hang out with my friends and stuff. And I can go anywhere a free man would go. Yep. That's what the book describes because it's like, I am at peace with myself. I like understand where I'm at with things. And like, I have a, a God of my own understanding in my life. And it's like, I do the things that I need to do where it's like, I don't have to just like hide from alcohol. Like it's uh, like the boogeyman. It's like, I can yeah. go wherever I want. It's like, you know what I mean? And it's just like sobriety and recovery isn't a prison for me it gives me freedom 100%. it's like because when i'm out there and i'm drinking and i'm using i have no money i have no like nobody can rely on me i don't have like i'm not getting invited places because of the conflict that comes with having me there yeah. like all of those things and it puts me in a box and so when i'm doing this work on myself and i'm like clean and sober like and I get invited to these things, I can like be present in that moment. I can still go out and like do all these things that I want to do. And I don't have to like be like, oh, I can't go to this club or like, oh, I can't go to this casino or like, oh, I can't go on this trip. Like I can do whatever I want, yeah. right? Because the, at the end of the day, it's like, I have a choice. I always have a choice, right? So like I can either do the next right thing or I can't, yeah. right? And that's, and I'm just as likely to relapse if I'm like hidden alone in my room avoiding everything as if I am out there on a cruise ship that has unlimited drinks if yeah. I wanted it. Yeah. I have the same percentage of relapse no matter where I am. Exactly. And and that's and that's the one thing about alcohol that really like it makes it extremely hard to quit for people too is because <clears throat> it's everywhere. 
And, you know, like, my vice was fentanyl. Like, fentanyl, meth, and heroin. Yeah, see, fentanyl, like, no, you're not going to go to a bar and then, they're, they're, like, the bartender be like, you want a shot of fentanyl? Like, yeah. it's just not, that doesn't it's, happen. It doesn't happen, but, like, I can go, sh- like, because I like to shoot pool and play darts. Like, that's my thing. Like, I go to bars all the time, mm. but I go to bars with people that have problems with drinking and they're like, hey, bro, like, you know, like, I'm not feeling comfortable. We should probably leave. It's like, cool, no pro- no worries. Like, we'll go somewhere else and play pool or we'll go do right. this, that, and the other. Like, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, like me personally, like I have a problem with fentanyl and most of my friends have problems with drinking. So like how we manage to keep each other accountable is like, we don't avoid the places that have alcohol. Like, yeah, what are you going to do? Hide from alcohol and then never eat at another restaurant exactly. again in your life? Like what, like what is that going to solve? Exactly. It's like, I can't avoid fentanyl because if I go to a bus stop, like if I have to catch a bus one day, more than likely I'm going to run into someone smoking. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's like, especially where we live, like Phoenix is for some reason, like, well, I mean, well I Mexico's right there. Yeah. I was going to say, I understand the reason of why it's here, but like, it's so prevalent here that it's like, I can't avoid it either. And I have to sit here and think like, okay, my buddies have the same issue with their drinking as I do with my fentanyl. And if I'm to go out in the public where there's more than likely I'm going to run into someone that is definitely smoking or drinking, they're going to run into the same problem as, as I'm running into. So how we manage to keep ourselves accountable and do these things is we just face it head on. Mm-hmm. Like I've taken the light. I used to take wake up at four in the morning, take the I-10 bus out to, because I used to live right up here off 48th and uh, Chandler. Mm-hmm. Used to take the I-10 bus to t- downtown Phoenix and take the light rail to work every day. Every time I get on the light rail, first thing I smell, smell is burnt popcorn. I'm like, yeah. okay. like that's Just trays everywhere, yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm like, all right, dude. Like, this is what it is today. Like, I know I'm going to work at a place where everyone's sober. It's not necessarily in recovery, but everybody at my job's in recovery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I see all this shit and I'm like, damn, like, yeah. I want to help everyone. But at the same time, like, yeah. I can only help when they want the help. Yeah, and it's like, you, it, you're going to be pretty ineffective if, like, you're just randomly approaching people trying to, like, preach something, you know what yeah. I mean? But it's like, that's, like, the biggest thing that uh, I think a lot of people would benefit from really hearing and, and understanding is that if your plan is to just avoid alcohol, if your plan is to, like, avoid drugs you're going to fail a hundred percent you're going to fail what do you think that's going to solve oh i'm just not going to go places that have alcohol or oh if somebody's if there's a wedding that i'm invited to but there's going to be champagne there then i'm just not going to go or oh like if if they want to take a vacation but somebody who drinks is going to be there and there's going to be alcohol in the airbnb then i can't go it's It's like what are you going to do just hide from alcohol you're going to be isolated your entire life like it's so it's like it's like if you that's your plan you need to reevaluate your plan i would suggest because it's like at the end of the day the the only thing is you're gonna have the best percentage chance of being sober and like living this lifestyle if you just come to terms with your own powerlessness and you understand that as an alcoholic or an addict like you just those are things that you can't do like you'll never be able to drink with impunity you'll never be able to like do drugs without consequences and just accept that and then live your life in a way where you're okay with that 100 percent. then you don't have to hide from anything exactly and like i go out to eat with my dad and my uh my stepmom all the time right and my stepmom likes to drink she always like do you mind it's like look i i don't you do whatever you want to do because at the end of the day it doesn't affect me that you're having a good time like i like like i like to stay sober like i like to be where i'm at today and if you're still gonna go out and drink that's all you because you're you're someone who doesn't have a problem like i do mm-hmm. like and my stepmom she's awesome because her brother's in recovery too like he's super fucking cool and she understands what i have to do on a day-to-day basis to make sure i don't relapse and she's super respectful about it she tries to like like it's it's kind of cute because she'll try to hide it from me 
And I'm like, hey, you don't need to hide it. Like, we're at a bar right now. I know where we're at. We're watching right. a fucking Steelers game. Like, I know what we're doing. Like, <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, just because I'm an alcoholic doesn't mean like you gotta like treat me like you know yeah, what I mean. It's, it's like it's 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 fine. But uh, we we do gotta wrap up here. Um, but I did want to ask you one more thing before we end the episode. For anybody watching that's maybe early on in sobriety or recovery or maybe they are on the fence about whether or whether or not they should take that leap and, and try the whole recovery thing out, do you have any words of encouragement or advice for them? Take it minute by minute, hour by hour if you have to. My first 30 days, I took that shit five minutes at a time. I sat there and like... I focused on what I was doing. If I was just coloring on a paper, like I focused on coloring on that paper for however long I was coloring on that paper for. I took suggestions. I took every suggestion I was given. I took everything that was told to me and I ran with it. And if you think that your life, if let me put it this way, if you think your friends are going to, bail on you when you go to get sober they're not your friends to begin with they're going to bail on you because if they're truly your friends people are going to want to see you do better for yourself and if you want to get sober and you want to stay sober go to meetings get a sponsor work the steps get a home group get commitments and do everything you're asked to do within your means because there's not a time where i say no nowadays if i have to say if it's helping someone to a fucking get a ride to a meeting i'll go out of my way pick them up if it's someone that needs fucking money for food for the week i'll help them out if i have it i do everything i can and you know you're gonna lose people along this ride it's guaranteed people are gonna go out don't take it to heart because you're close to them. You can mourn, you can be upset, but just understand that you did nothing to cause that. Take your suggestions and move forward and just keep your head up high because the moment you start looking, you start standing still is the moment you stop moving forward. Oh yeah. That's all it is. Like <laughs> that's good. That's good advice, man. And <clears throat> we appreciate you stopping by the pod, dude. I appreciate you that was me, bro. that's uh it was awesome catching up with you and, and I've been seeing you around a lot yeah, lately man. and stuff, so that's super cool. Um guys, everyone watching, just quick shout out, plugged in recovery. If you or somebody you love are looking for a sober living house in the Chandler, Phoenix, or Scottsdale area, you could always visit www.azsober.com. You can take a look at uh, availability at our houses as well as do a full virtual tour of every house as well. Um, and we do have male and female houses. So, um, again, that's azsober.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching. We are almost at 50 subscribers on YouTube. What, what? So, guys, hey. please, if you are watching us on YouTube, uh, hit the subscribe button, you know? Just a little click. Get a notification every time we post a video every week. And, um, yeah, we appreciate it so much. We'll see you guys next week.